0: Welcome in, friends and lovers. It is a brand new edition of Catfish on Ice, episode 199, getting ever so much closer to that milestone episode, episode 200. First of all, just want to tell all of you thank you so much for sticking with us through the first 199 episodes. It is Nashville Predators Training Camp. It's officially here, they're on the ice. Day two of camp is underway, and we're already seeing the speed, and the new quickness of this lineup under head coach Andrew Burnett. This is your host, Chad Minton, running solo with you today. We have to find time any way we can these days to get the Catfish and Ice podcast episode out, and we're doing it today on this beautiful Friday. Getting ready for Predators preseason action on Monday, a doubleheader split squad Uh, action against the Florida Panthers, so we'll get ready for that. I'm going to unveil some of my things that I want to learn throughout the preseason from the Predators. Also going to hit some of the top training camp storylines and some veterans that I really want to highlight that are going to be leaders in this training camp process for the Predators. And also going to bring up the Captain Roman Yossi. I feel like he's flying under the radar somehow. Because so much has changed for this Predators team. And it's it's understandable. But with so much that has happened since March, when the trade deadline sell-off happened, and then with all the young players coming up who are making a name for themselves and everyone's so excited about them, it's just so easy to overlook the fact that we still have the captain Roman Yossi one season removed from having a 96-point season want to discuss a list that I came across from Bleacher Report. You know Bleacher Report. Always putting out all the lists that gets people talking. Top 10 list. They did their they did their ranking of the top 10 defensemen currently in the NHL. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later if you haven't already seen that list about where they ranked Roman Yossi. I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger there if you haven't seen it already, but I'll give my Thoughts on that, so we have a lot to get into. We are presented by DraftKings, promo code THPN, and of course, we're part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Very excited to bring this episode with you. First of all, I feel like we are coming out of the dark ages of the John Hines era, and no shade meant towards John Hines, but it's just the way it is. I mean, you're seeing the rejuvenation of the fans, the rejuvenation of the players, it just feels like a whole new, fresh, clean slate. And I've already said in previous episodes that with that is going to mean that there's going to be some growing pains. It's very likely that this team is going to maybe stumble a little bit out of the gate. We've talked about the first 10 games that the Predators are up against uh, in the 2023 24 season. Go back and listen to that in our podcast archive, whether that's Spotify or on Google, or on Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, hit up our YouTube channel where you can watch all of our episodes that we've done in the past. Catch up on all the stuff we've been talking about this past offseason. But we are here, folks. We are in training camp. We've already seen the speed on display. We've already seen some of these players get out there, and we're seeing different groups get out there together and First thing I want to mention is let's not get overdrawn in to what these line combinations are, Who, which players are playing with which line mates. Right now, the coaches are literally just trying to, to tinker with everything they can and see what everything looks like. Do not draw any hasty conclusions on who is playing with who in which group or which line, even what the power play units look like. It's really... A work and see trial and error approach right now. A lot that the coaches have to do in a short amount of time before the Predators play the Tampa Bay Lightning on October 10th down here in the Bay where I currently live now. And I got my tickets bought. Super excited about that. They're officially bought. And I will be there in attendance when the Predators start off the 2023-24 campaign with a really, really difficult opponent opponent in the Tampa Bay Lightning. And even though the Lightning, I guess you could maybe say, had a little bit of a disappointing offseason, they're maybe not a dynasty anymore like you would think they were in the past, they're still going to be a tough team. And that is going to be a really difficult atmosphere to play in. So can't wait to be there, be there in attendance for that. Let's get this started here. I want to first talk about the Preds training camp storylines. My top three training camp storylines. First thing I want to start off is where do the veterans land in the lineup? We keep forgetting about the veterans because all the focus has been on the, the youth that that's come up throughout this team in the last few years, and rightfully so. But this team has a, a healthy blend of veterans that are still going to be an integral part in the Predators returning to the postseason in 2024. And so let me go ahead and share on the screen with the the big free agency acquisition that we all know about, and that is Ryan O'Reilly. Going to share his NHL career notes um, up to this point. So he is approaching a 1,000 NHL games. Pretty incredible. And, I mean, there it is right there. Nine hundred ninety-one career NHL games. Let's just put that on it on its surface right there. Nine hundred ninety-one career games is brutal as this sport is. Is physically demanding as this sport is to play in nine hundred ninety-one games. Coming up on a thousand is no small feat. Uh, he's going to join a class of around two hundred and fifty approximate players in NHL history who have crossed the 1,000-game threshold. He leads most career games played on this current Predators team. Pretty significant uh, addition. And Barry Trotz, and his media availability that you can see on the team's official website, really broke it down that really a significant reason why Ryan O'Reilly was acquired is because he is going to be able to lead these younger players who still have a lot of growth ahead of them. And I thought that was so cool to read that because Barry Trotz gets it. He sees the the overall long game picture here and you've, you you can't just throw all these young players to the wolves and 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 smash their confidence because as Barry Trotz said in a lot of his quotes in that media availability he made it very clear that you can't. these players need veterans to learn from, and, and, and you've got to have a mix of both. And if you just throw players like he mentioned Cody Glass in particular, if you just throw Cody Glass out there and for 82 games, he's got to go against the Connor McDavid's of the world every game, and he's got to go against players like that on elite levels that are going to be thrown at you game after game after game. It's going to really, really shatter the confidence of some of these younger players. So you need a Ryan O'Reilly in your lineup to be that leader, and O'Reilly seems like a player who's going to take that in stride, wants that role. So it's so cool to see him in training camp right now for the Predators and, and see him out there in a Pred sweater. So cool to see. O'Reilly's this is his fifth NHL team, if you count the Predators. He previously played with Colorado, Buffalo, St. Louis, and Toronto. Of course we know with St. Louis, he won the Stanley Cup for that team, broke the Stanley Cup drought for that team, uh, for the St. Louis Blues in 2019, got his Stanley Cup, won the Conn Smythe Trophy as well for playoff MVP with the Blues. That's the crowning the uh, achievements of his NHL career. But he's always been a leader. He was a good point producer in a very short amount of time with the with the Maple Leafs. Showed up for them on the playoff stage, even though the Maple Leafs did go out in the second round. They did finally get over the hump and went in the first round. So. That's what we're getting with Ryan O'Reilly. You know, it's not so much about is he going to pile up all the points when it comes to like 60, 70 points. Most likely not. But his intangibles and what he's going to do on the ice is very, very important. And so with that, you look at that, those are some of his career notes. And how is he going to fit in in this lineup? He's probably going to be on the top line. He's going to be on a power play unit, you would think. And you just love to have him here. He's going to be the de facto replacement of the Matt Duchesne buyout. Will he score at the same rate, the same clip as Matt Duchesne did? Maybe not, but his intangibles might outweigh possibly what Matt Duchesne was doing for this team. And and O'Reilly does other things in his game that Matt Duchesne wasn't as strong at. And then, of course, Ryan Johansson as well. He can be kind of an effective replacement of both of them in a way. And so with that, that's, that's a player that obviously we all have eyes on is Ryan O'Reilly And as the National Predators training camp is underway. Let's move along here with another player, another veteran, that is very, very important with what's going on here at National Predators training camp. And that is a player who's been with the Predators for his entire NHL career aside from being drafted by the Washington Capitals, but he's played every game of his NHL career for the same team. And that is Philip Forsberg. The return, the triumphant return of Philip Forsberg. uh, Really excited about that, obviously, that he is back um, after sustaining such a really scary and ugly head injury in February. He is back. It's great to see. And... We're we're watching how he looks on the ice because there's rust to be sh- to be uh, shook off. There's um there's a, a a process where he hasn't been on the ice in six months now, seven months really. Yeah, and so he's got to ease his way back in, and it's going to take some time, as we all know. But with Forsberg, a lot of fans are. I don't know. I'm getting a sense that a lot of fans are down on Forsberg. Like They all wanted to keep him when he first was being rumored to hit free agency and thought that the Predators were going to lose him in free agency. Fans were freaking out, including myself, that Forsberg was going to be lost for nothing in free agency. And whether you like it or not, eight-year deal, Went by the market value to get him to get him to stay in Nashville. He showed loyalty to the franchise by sticking with them. The all-time leading goal scorer for the Predators. So you have that, two hundred thirty-nine career goals. So we're all looking to see if Philip Forsberg can just quickly get back into action and shake the rust off and really become at least partially what he was in 2021-22. Uh, and and let, let's remember this, and I've shared this before on the show. Despite the injury last year, Forsberg was actually at a point-per-game pace. His his point efficiency was one of the best of his, of his career up to that point. It wasn't the best, but it was close. He was performing at a pretty, pretty good level. So with that... You gotta wonder, just like with Roman Yossi, not to the same to the same exact comparison, but just like Roman Yossi, can Philip Forsberg even be like 75% worth what he was in 2021, 22? Can he be a 60 to 70 point scorer? That's kind of my sweet spot for Philip Forsberg is can he be in the 60 to 70 70 point range? That's really important for me when it comes to Philip Forsberg. Uh, let's see if he can do that. Let's see if he can show the leadership um, with that. And I came across a crazy stat that I didn't even realize. Wasn't even looking for it. Wasn't expecting it. But Philip Forsberg was drafted in 2012. The 2012 draft class. A very, very weak draft class. I will say that. I'll preface by saying that. But still, very very unexpected. I didn't realize this. I hadn't looked at anything like this in a while to see. But you can uh, look and see each draft class and who has the most points in each draft class up to this date. And yes, Phil Forsberg has the most points out of the entire 2012 NHL draft class. 511 career points. Next closest is Tomas Hurdle. Of the San Jose Sharks, and behind him, Morgan Riley. So, even if it is a weak draft class, you know what? That is pretty cool. And once again, we will reference the fact that that trade, that to get Philip Forsberg from the Capitals for Martin Erat, who is an all-time great Nashville Predator. No one's taking that away from from Martin Erat, but obviously was way. After the prime of his career, you unload Martin Erad to get Philip Forsberg in that trade. Probably that one of the best moves that David Poyle ever made as Predators uh, general manager. And he is the all-time leading point scorer so far of the 2020-12 NHL draft class with 511 points. So, obviously, more to come from Forsberg. Let's see what he can do here in training camp. And then... Uh, let's just move along here from that. Those are my two veterans that we're really looking for, of course, on the defensive side of side of things. Um, Luke Shen comes in here as a free agency addition as well, and a lot of people are saying he's going to be alongside Roman Yossi, so that's going to be really cool to watch. Um, let's see what kind of action he gets in the preseason and whatnot, and, of course, we will find out more about that. Luke Shen is a player that I wasn't expecting to get signed at all, but the fact that he did, and now that he's here, got to be excited about that. So with that, the Preds defensive core is something we're really going to have to figure out here with um, six spots up for grabs, and there's an odd man out. Whether it's Alexander Carrier, Dante Fabro, Jeremy Lazan, it comes down to those three and that's because of the addition of Luke Shen who's not going to be an odd man out. So is it Dante Fabro? Is it Alexander Carrier, who just got re-signed? All these guys got re-signed over the offseason to one-year deals. Fabro and Carrier are both re-signed to a one-year deal and will be free agents in 2024. So a lot to prove for those players. Barry Trot says every player in training camp has something to prove, which is correct, but way more so than any of the others. Dante Fabro is probably the player who has the most, in my opinion, to prove in Pretz training camp. All right. With that, let's move along here to Roman Yossi and this list that I dangled in front of you at the beginning of the episode. Bleacher Report released their top 10 defensemen going into the 2023-24 season. And for once, a national list from one of these national syndicates does not throw any disrespect towards a Nashville Predators player. If anything, they probably were overly generous to a Predators player. But we're about to discuss it. They rank Roman Yossi number four, in their top 10 defenseman list. I was really surprised to see Yossi that high. Because I've actually seen plenty of other lists. Uh, you see them all throughout the offseason. All these, all these accounts rank get put their rankings out there. It gets all the fans heated up and 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 debating with each other. It gets engagement up. It's great. It's awesome. Everyone loves to do it. We've done it on this show before. Uh, and it's it's always fun to do your rankings. And to see Yossi at number four, when I've seen Yossi even not in a top 10 list before, which I think is also just insane and not right, but to see Yossi at number four, although I love it and I'm not against it, I was very surprised. So here's the full list from Bleacher Report. Number one, no shock, Cal McCarr. I have no issue with that. Number two, Adam Fox. Also have no issue with that. Mainly because McCarr and Fox Um, are literally in the primes of their career. The best is probably yet to come from these two players, and they are the next generation of the golden age of NHL defensemen as the game continues to change, and you see all these defensemen become more offense-oriented. And in some ways, and in many ways, Roman Yossi laid an early blueprint to some of these up-and-coming defensemen who really lean more on their offensive game and speed and rushing the play up the ice. And, you know, Yossi, sometimes fair, sometimes it's fair criticism, but Yossi has been criticized for lacking on the defensive end at times because he pushes the offense so much. He gets caught up ice at times. He's definitely more of an offensive defenseman than a defensive defenseman. Through the years, he's tried to become a more well-rounded defenseman. I mean, just to think that his 96-point season, he came second in the Norris Trophy voting behind Cal McCarr. Actually got more first-place votes than Cal McCarr in that voting, but total points in the voting process, Cal McCarr inched him out By 25 votes. So, with that, Roman Yossi has laid a blueprint out. He uh, Because when he started coming up, became Preds captain for the 2017-2018 season, which was the season that the Predators won the President's Trophy. And ever since then, he has become the face of this franchise, especially after the retirement of Pecorino. He is, hands down, the face of the franchise. I know a lot of people would like to throw UC Soros in there as the face of the franchise. You can argue either one, 1A, 1B. I'm cool with that. But either way, Roman Yossi is definitely the face of the franchise, and he still is. This is what I'm getting to. Can Yossi, does he still have the skills, and is he still somewhat able to hang with this younger generation of defensemen that are coming up behind him? I think that he can, and he's the fact that he's only one season removed from putting up 96 points in a John Hines system should tell you all you need to know. Do I think that he's going to sniff a 90-plus point season again? Probably not. Likelihood of that, very, very low. But do I think he can hit 60 to 70 points again? Do I think he can possibly outdo that and be 70-plus points and be in the conversation for another Norris Trophy uh, consideration, there's a chance. The problem I have with that is not that he doesn't have the skills or he's not good enough to be that type of defenseman. The, the, the talent pool of defensemen these days is so deep, and this list really proves it, is why I think that the odds are still low that Yossi will, will join Eric Carlson, who just won his second career Norris Trophy this past season, the odds are probably still, unfortunately, low that, that Yossi will win his second career Norris in his career. It's just a really tough award to win, especially now with so many great defensemen. So, you let's, let's finish off the list here. So, Yossi comes in at number four. Number five is Eric Carlson. Number six, this one surprised me at number six. No offense, but Dougie Hamilton comes in at number six. Number seven is Quinn Hughes. Number eight, Miro Haskinen. Number nine, Victor Hedman. And number 10, Rasmus Dahlin. So, all right. Dougie Hamilton at number six. I think that's a total reach and its recency bias. Dougie Hamilton hit 74 points this past year, by far his career high at age 30. Before that, he had never sniffed 60 points in a season. Was mostly a 40 to 50 point scorer. And although I realize that it's not just about how many points you score in a season for who's the best defenseman, I'm totally on board with that, but that's how the voters usually vote is based all on offense. Whoever is the best offensive defenseman gets the award usually. And you know, there's been all these arguments that it should be an offensive award for a defenseman and a defensive award for a defenseman. But until that happens, your Norris Trophy mainly goes to the best offensive defenseman. So a little bit of recency bias here in, in, in Bleacher Report's top 10, if you ask me. I don't think Dougie Hamilton should be all the way up at number six and be ahead of Victor Hedman, Miro Haskinen, or Rasmus Dalin. Definitely not ahead of Miro Haskinen. Miro Haskinen should be in the top five on this list. And I would even argue that if you're taking anyone out of the top five, it would be maybe even Charlie McAvoy. And I would put Miro Haskin. That's how much high regard I have for Miro Haskin. And he is due to win a Norris trophy. He would not shock me at all if he claims his first Norris trophy this upcoming season. I actually predicted him to win his Norris trophy this past year in our before last season when we did our awards prediction on this show. Uh, I I picked Miro Haskinen and and he didn't win it, but I still feel the same way about Miro Haskinen. So I can't believe that he's all the way back at number eight on Bleacher Report's top 10 list and behind Dougie Hamilton. Just that doesn't make sense. Victor Hedman, all the way back at number nine, is also a huge shock. Normally, Hedman gets all the bias from all the media outlets, and rightfully so, because he is one of the best defensemen of Roman Yossi's generation. He is he is near the same age as Roman Yosi. He's got the Stanley Cups to back it up for him for himself with the Lightning. But he is a great all around defenseman. I'm shocked to see him all the way back at number nine. Rasmus Dahlin for the Buffalo Sabers. I would think that he'd be higher than ten. Uh, maybe ahead of Quinn Hughes. Maybe ahead of Dougie Hamilton. And then, of course, with Eric Carlson at number five, might be recency bias as well because he just exploded for all the points that he had and and won the Norris Trophy this past season. So, very shocked to see Yossi at number four, but it does go to show you how much respect and how much uh, belief that some people in the league still have for Yossi. Let's see what he can do. Um, let's see. I, I thought the Predators took, out of all the injuries they suffered down the stretch of last season – um, trying to hang in the playoff race, I think that the biggest injury to overcome that they just couldn't overcome was when they lost Roman Yossi. So outside of maybe UC Soros, Roman Yossi is definitely the the most valuable player of this team. Even now with all these newcomers on the team, it's Roman Yossi. So let's see what he has in store for us um, in this upcoming season. Uh, as Roman Yossi is 8th, among active defensemen and career points with 601 career points, eighth among defensemen. So let's see what happens here. I think he still has a little gas left in the tank, probably another three or four years before he might start really seeing a dip in production, but definitely has it still in him for this upcoming year. All right, let's uh, move along here. Episode 199 of Catfish and Ice presented by DraftKings. We have a brand new offer for you here, folks. NFL fans, we're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. NFL season is in full swing, everybody. We're heading in, we're already in week three. We just had Thursday night football, and the San Francisco 49ers got the win over the New York Giants. So now new customers can bet $5 and get $200 and instantly in bonus bets with this upcoming week three action of the NFL throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner and DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800.com gambler.net in New York call 877-8-HOPENY or text HOPENY 467369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas licensed partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 and up. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming Gaming source resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right. Episode 199 rolls on here for Catfish on Ice podcast. Episode 199 with your host, Chad Minton, all right, about to get ready for the preseason doubleheader split squad action between with the Florida Panthers, and that's going to be coming up on this Monday, September 25th, and with the split squads, I think that the first thing we should keep in mind is that we shouldn't read too much into line combinations, and I'm going to be more focused on on individual play, regardless of what line they may be on. So with that, this split squad, I'm really going to be more focused on the roster bubble players and the younger players who are trying to earn themselves uh, a spot on this team to really impress the coaches, impress the new head coach, Andrew Burnett. That is what this split squad action against the Florida Panthers is going to be about for me is which one of these young players really sticks out the most, whether that's Igor Afanasyev, Spencer Statsny on defense, Luke Evangelista, although I think Evangelista is very, very safe in being a starter on opening night in Tampa. I do think that Evangelista has more to prove in terms of can he make it onto the top line, which I would love to see. have been very vocal about that. Can Luke Evangelista make it on to the top line for the Predators and opening night in Tampa. That'd be a huge, huge nod from the coaching staff and really show a lot of confidence if Evangelista, who is going to be a rookie, even though he did make his NHL debut last this past season, he's technically going to be a rookie this year. So if he gets top line minutes right out of camp, that means that he had a strong camp and he really impressed the coaches. So how's he going to look? in this doubleheader against the Panthers in the preseason. Also, when it comes to how the who, who plays in net, you would expect Yaroslav Oskarov to get a start in the split squad. I'd be surprised if he didn't. So I want to see how that shapes up the continued development for... For Iskarov, in actual preseason action, he got saw action in the prospect showcase, which unfortunately the prospects did go 0 and 3, but again, not worried about that. I'm more worried about are these players developing? Are these players learning this new system? Uh, that's what Milwaukee Admirals head coach Carl Taylor talked about, uh, even though the team did lose. All three games, a lot of it was self-inflicted errors and just critical mistakes that you can't make, a lot of penalties, having to kill a lot of penalties. So you're obviously rolling that over into these preseason games, same idea. Yeah, you'll want to win these games. You like to win. Winning feels nice. But really, it's about are the players grasping the message that this coaching staff is bringing a lot of learning has to happen. Even with the veterans, a lot of learning has to happen. You're talking about these players who played under John Hines for the past few years. Not only are they having to learn a new head coach's system, and it's a very different system than John Hines' system, but they're having to learn new line mates as well, both from the young players and the free agency acquisitions. So there is a lot that has to be, figured out and ironed out in a very, very short amount of time before October 10th gets here, and you got to open it up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Not easy. So, split squad action against the Florida Panthers. I'm just looking for progress. I'm looking for improvement. I'm looking for focusing on the little things, the things that you can control, whether it's not taking a really bad penalty in the third period when you're in a tie game. Can the players learn from those mistakes and avoid those mistakes? And can they? how quickly can they grasp um, the offensive system that Andrew Burnett's employing here, which is speed, which is quickness, which is, you know, the players are talking about how fun this system is, right? That's what we're looking for how loose do the players look right out of the gate or do they look a little tight out there? Do they make some of these mistakes? Do they have a hard time getting used to the system? I expected that they are going to take some time. I would, ex- I would not be surprised if, if when they play the Panthers in this doubleheader that there's a lot of choppiness, like there's a lot of mistakes. The passing's probably going to be a little off. They're going to have a hard time figuring out who's going to be where and it's going to take some time. And then if the Predators are lucky enough to get a bunch of power play opportunities, can they show progress from the first power play chance that might be a little shaky? And can they start grasping it? And Can they start showing some, some fluidity? Um, I do think that we will get a little window into what Andrew Burnett's thinking when it comes to the power play units, because that's a little bit of, a, of a, a thing that you can zero in on quicker. Uh, figure out, you know, who is going to be on these power play units, who's going to play with who. That's going to be a fun thing to 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 watch in these these first preseason games against the Panthers, and then third pairing defenseman. I mean, you've got a lot of options here. I just mentioned it at the beginning of the episode. Uh, most notably with Dante Fabro, can he have a really strong preseason? Is that going to be enough to get him a start over uh, Jeremy Lazan or even over? Alexander Carrier. I mean, it's it's really really going to be a, take a lot to figure out there. So, with that said, the younger players, of course, coming in, you are going to see some mistakes there as well. But uh, you are trying to figure out where is Yusuf Parsoning going to be at? Where is Tommy Novak going to be at? Where is Philip Tomasino going to be at? I mean, they're all players that you would ex- that you think are going to be in the starting lineup more than likely, but where are they going to be at? Who, what wing are they going to play on? Um, we, it's just all up in the air. We really don't know that. It, it, this is what the preseason is for here. This is why this preseason is, has got so much intrigue around it, more so than past years, is because it feels so new and it feels so fresh. Like we just took the Nashville Predators out of the box and it has that fresh smell to it. That's what it feels like because we just don't know what Andrew Burnett's thinking. And he might not even know what he's thinking yet. That this is what these preseason games are for, for sure. And so, how will the, the how will he build the split squads? First of all, who does he want playing with who? That'll give you a little bit of an idea of what lines he's thinking of, uh, at least at the start. And then, if it looks really good in these in these preseason games then he might stick with it. Or he might shake it all up and try something different and then choose which looks better. I think it could go either way there. But like, is he, is he wanting to mix one line up with nothing but the younger players or is he wanting to mix veterans with the younger players? I think that's a big distinction we're going to need to make there. Is he going to keep Tomasino on a line with Cody Glass and Tommy Novak or is he going to try to mix in a Gustav Nyquist to play on a line with Cody Glass or Yusuf Parsonen, Like that's what we all have to figure out here. There's a log jam at center with Glass, Novak, Parsonen. You would like to be a center as well. Tomasino used to play center, but he's kind of evolved into being more of a winger. So a lot to sort out here. A lot to sort out but that's what makes this fun. That's what makes this preseason so interesting. But definitely, don't get caught up on the wins and losses. It's not really about that as much. It's about do the Predators show improvement throughout the preseason? Do they show improvement from this split squad, which I expect to be a little bit of a of a mess and not completely smooth? Um, and then you're playing, you're going up against the Panthers team that just went to the Stanley Cup, and they're a little bit more set in what they're doing than the Predators are. So don't be surprised at all if the final score maybe looks a little lopsided and maybe it looks a little shaky, and you're just going to have to be patient. But can we show improvement into the next preseason game, which will be against the Tampa Bay Lightning? Just show gradual improvement leading up to the season opener. That's what I'm hoping for more than anything else. Want to finish off this quick episode on Catfish and Ice, episode 199, with this episode 200 coming. It's going to be a milestone episode. Rich Howe will be with me. We're also working on getting a couple guests coming up for the week, uh, working on getting a Tampa Lightning uh, beat reporter on the show. Uh, as well, I'll give you more information on that as the week unfolds as we come up on a time slot, but look for it on our YouTube channel, the Catfish and Ice YouTube channel, and hit subscribe. Look for it there. We will release the full interview previewing the mat, the, the regular season opener against the Tampa Lightning. We'll preview it with um, our guest from the Tampa Lightning uh, media scene. We will share that interview fully on the YouTube channel before it actually drops on the podcast platforms. So then all, it gives you all the more reason to sign up for notifications and subscribe to the catfish Nice YouTube channel. But we will hold that back for now. Cause we're not sure if we're going to get that guest on or not. Also we're working on a bi-weekly guest to join the show every, every other week throughout the season. So stay tuned for that. We're also working on merchandise, working on all that, but definitely episode 200 is going to be a milestone episode for the show Rich Howe and myself will do a live stream episode for that occasion. So stay tuned for that. Let's go ahead and wrap it up with this. Really weird, odd story, but we have to touch on it. I have to touch on it at least. The Mike Babcock situation. We knew it was a really weird and ugly hire when it happened by the Columbus Blue Jackets. It was a weird match, in my opinion. I didn't see why they went out and got Babcock. Uh, It was going around the same time when the Predators were being rumored to move on from John Hines and they were going to be looking for a new head coach and you were seeing these lists of head coaching candidates. And every time you come across Mike Babcock, it's like, no, thank you. Stay away from that. But the Columbus blue jackets decided to go get Mike Babcock. You know, the blue jackets are one of the most young prospect pool teams in the league. They've got so much talent the the future the distant future looks very bright for the blue jackets and that's why going and hiring mike babcock as your head coach to begin with was just a really weird match and didn't make sense and it turns out babcock's not going to even coach a game for the blue jackets because this story first surfaced from the spit and chicklets podcast and you know of course everyone's got their opinion on the spit and chicklets podcast a lot of people don't like them and i get that and it's fine everyone's entitled to their opinion but you saw this media clash between people fighting over who found it first they were trying to say it was all it was all nonsense but spit and chicklets is saying we're a players podcast and and then you start hearing from Johnny Goudreau and stuff saying that it's not much of anything, but it turns out the story had some life to it. And eventually the, some of the truth at least comes out and Mike Babcock resigns as head coach of the Columbus blue jackets. And it's all centered around the younger players on this, on the blue jackets squad did not feel comfortable with a lot of the tactics that Babcock was doing, including possibly rumored reportedly, going to a player's house and actually confiscating that player's phone and looking through it. So just things that in this day and age, you just can't do, you know, and when you're a head coach of a team, you've got to, or a a manager in any line of work, you got to connect with your entire staff, not just everyone's different. You got to lead everyone the same way. You got to make sure you connect with everyone in a certain way. And Babcock just couldn't do it. And he had to resign, uh, I saw that it was more or less he was doing it to not be a distraction to the Blue Jackets. I think we're going to see a lot more on this uh, story as as the, as the time unfolds. Uh, there's a lot we don't know about this story, but just really strange. Really is unfortunate for the Blue Jackets because uh, it's just another speed bump and another distraction when you're getting ready to start a season. And so weird story there. Wanted to touch on it, but I want to – in my thoughts on that whole thing with the media battle. And it's just dumb. I mean, I just like give credit where credit's due. No one's saying you have to like agree with everything the spit and chicklets podcast does, or no one's saying that you have to love them or you have to respect them. But when someone is covering a story or breaks a story and you can't just completely throw it out in the garbage just because you don't like that outlet, you got to give everything, um, it's, it's due course and then let everything come out and then give credit where credit's due. doesn't mean you got to like the the people who broke the story, but you still give credit where credit's due. So a lot of just dumb back and forth from media who don't like each other, which is just ridiculous. Cover the story, put out the facts and let everything else go. It's, it, we're talking hockey here. It doesn't have to be personal. So with that said, That's going to be episode 199 of Catfish Nights with your host, Chad Minton. Thank you for joining me on this quick solo episode with National Predators Training Camp underway. Hope to get you a couple guest interviews throughout this coming week as we get closer and closer to the opening of 2023 24. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate all of you. Love all of you. Take care and have a great weekend.